Welcome to Just a Sip Podcast. This is a craft beer podcast, and today I'm sitting in with Marty. Marty, how's it going? Fine. So today, uh, it's a, something a little bit different. It's a special. We're actually going to be talking about home brewing, and which is something that it seems like you know a little bit about. Uh, I'm here at my cousin Bart's house. Uh, if anyone's listening, you've already heard about him and the craft beer that we've been talking about. But you've got a setup that trumps, <laughs> pardon the pun, <laughs> trumps a lot of people in what's going on right now in homebrewing. A lot of people have the simple, easy setup, but you've got quite a setup here yourself. Uh, but to start off, let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, the first, what is your favorite type of beer? What's your favorite style? I, I like the IPAs. Okay. Real emphasis on the hops and specifically the citrus grapefruit dealing type of flavors the real okay. fresh flavors. so now uh you again like me and my cousin we're from michigan and you're also from michigan so moving here to florida was good for you because a lot of the beers are more citrusy a lot of ipas and we're kind of that direction with the beers that we have yeah, so, it lends itself more to the hot weather. Yeah. So you were kind of happy with that, right? You were, yeah. You were like, okay, this is where I'm going. Now, you were already making um, craft beer at home in Michigan, right? Correct. Okay. What What was the... You were doing the same thing? Were you doing IPAs? Yeah. Same little, styles? A little, little heavier gravity. Okay. There, a little higher alcohol content. Down here, <clears throat> kind of heavy beer, does, well, the heat doesn't go as well. You know? Now, with the heavier alcohol content, does it lend itself better to a certain type or a certain style of beer for you at least when you're home brewing what was your go-to if you're going with a little heavier beer what style was it well i i pretty much i i made some i did stouts and like scotch ale i pretty much did those beers okay so that people that were coming over yeah that like that type of beer might have something to drink okay i i like the taste of them I can drink a small glass of them, and that's interesting. It tastes good, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't that's feel. Not your... Yeah, I don't feel like drinking more than just a sip of it. You know? Yeah. Whereas, so the IPA type of beer, the American IPAs, real hoppy stuff, is more what I am inclined to drink. Okay. Now that's nice of you, because <laughs> a lot of people when they make their own homebrew, they're gonna make whatever they like. Yeah. But for you, you knew that you're gonna have people coming over having something so you're like well i'm gonna kind of cater it to what what they like and for basically kind of the region again to what's normally the style of that area yeah when it's cold out a real hearty beer even an ipa that's a high alcohol content is a lot better than when it's 90 degrees exactly but now uh, you made a craft beer. Well, you've made several craft beers, but we have one here today with us. What is, what do you have here? What what, what style? What is this? What would you call it? I would call Whatever. it an American style IPA. It's extremely hoppy. Um, okay. It's a session 
it's probably between four and a half and five percent alcohol content. Um, so now I'm going to ask you to do something for me, even though you may already know what it is. If you can go ahead and take a sip for me, even though I know you already know what it tastes like, and then give me, tell me what you feel about the beer, what you note about it, what's particular about it, maybe. It's it's real fresh. Um, yeah. Citrusy. There's lemon notes and grapefruit, and it kind of nice. I I like a real a lot of bitterness. Um, I suppose some IPAs can be bitter but real spicy, mm-hmm. as opposed to, mm-hmm. to bitter but more citrusy. Yeah. And I prefer the more citrus type flavors. Um, and I've noticed since I moved down here and started going to a lower alcohol content in the beer, those qualities tend to come through a lot more. I got you. Now, uh, me personally, uh, I know that the listeners know that I'm not a huge fan of very fruity beers. Um, and I'm going to go to an extreme just for purpose, like, oh, your homebrew stopped for a second. <laughs> uh, just for purposes, like, frambois. Like, that's the ultimate of fruitiness. Right. And it's still considered a beer, but that's, like, the fruity of the fruity. Uh, but even still, a lot of uh, things that are maybe too citrusy, I'm not a huge fan of personally. Now, I have this. This is delicious. And I've pretty much enjoyed every single beer. I'm not blowing smoke. <laughs> like, this is... I'm being serious. Very delicious. Um... Again, like you said, very hop forward mm-hmm. in the flavor, which I like. And I think the hoppiness, personally, this is just my, like what I'm seeing from it, uh, the hoppiness cuts down on the, uh, like the, the fruity flavors, the citrus and those kind of things. Not necessarily fruity, but citrus. Yeah. And so it, for me, it balances out very well because you can have a beer that's too citrusy. You know, where you almost get, a, like, too much of a bite from the citrus. Yeah. And there's not enough balance. In my mind, the citrusy goes more towards, like, the peelings of the citrus than the fruit itself. But remember, a lot of people, like, throw in, like, you hear people that are like, yeah, we threw in a bunch of um, uh, oranges or we threw in yeah. a bunch of different things. But you f- you get too much of that sometimes yeah. in some of the beers. And you don't get this in, in your beer. Yeah, this is just barley malt, uh, mm-hmm. just a light. Pills and malt and hops. There's no no fruits added to it. The, yeah. the fruity notes that are the citrus notes that I speak of are all part of whatever hops I put in it. Exactly, and that's that's maybe why I think it's more balanced and and I feel more balanced about it rather than something that is just like <laughs> kind of hitting you in the face with the citrus notes and everything. It's not even a note anymore. <laughs> right. You know, it's something that's just like it's almost like you're pulling out an orange out of your glass. Right. Or whatever I, you know, flavor had, it is. Like, a lot of the grapefruit IPAs, I, mm-hmm. I was kind of excited when I first heard of them because the grapefruit notes were what I really liked in an IPA. Yeah. But, that being said, I haven't really liked any of the grapefruit IPAs that I've tried. I think it maybe t- it's just over what it it's, should be. Yeah, it's, it's different. I don't yeah. Know. The grapefruit notes, I, I would say, are more like the peelings and the part of the grapefruit that you don't normally eat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what usually gives the most flavor. Right. Yeah. But, so when I talk about citrus notes and stuff, that and fruitiness, I guess that's more where I'm coming from. Is I got you. Mm-hmm. 
Well, because you were even saying it comes in the uh, in the hops. Yeah. It's already in the hops. Right. So you're getting those notes instead of it being an actual thing that hits you. It's the notes. It's the subtlety right. of certain things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I and and I agree with you 100. percent And uh, I was a, we were talking to a few different breweries before. Uh, they were talking about the more natural, the better. You know, the yeah. more you infuse different things, and it's not naturally infused, or uh, at least not even natural like fruits or whatever you're using. It's going to give off a different flavor. Mm. So if you're using the the hops and the malt and those kind of things that are normal in a beer anyways to bring out those notes right. and those flavors, it's going to taste so much better. Yeah. And it's going to be more well-rounded. At least in my opinion, it's going to be more well-rounded. Oh, I'd agree. I think the, the, the quality of the ingredients you use, you yeah. know. Um, I haven't had... I've had... I had one batch of beer that I'll say that went south, had some odd flavor that I don't know where it came from or what. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Generally speaking, I started out and I was a fan of IPAs and I thought, well, like Two Hearted from Bells in Michigan. Yeah. It's a nice, well-rounded IPA. And I thought if I could just make something that tasted like that, It'd be good. It's so <laughs> yeah. cool, you know. Something that you want to have. First batch I, the first batch I ever made was so much better. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of the ways that a lot of the the bigger people start mm-hmm. off. They're trying to make something that they already know they enjoy. They're not trying to make something crazy. Right. They're trying to make something they already know. And they're like, well, if I can buy it in stores, maybe I can make it at home and not have to buy it in store. Right. You know, uh, you were telling me before... That a lot of the recipes that you get, you can actually buy online for beers that are already out there. Right. Uh, what are some of the beers that you've tried that are already a beer from somewhere that you've enjoyed making? Uh, there's a like a two-hearted clone, um, uh, arrogant bastard clone that uh, I like quite a bit. Um, I've actually gotten, as I've brewed more and more, I've kind of gotten away from strictly trying to follow those kind of recipes because, I mean, if you want a beer to taste exactly the same every time, you need to do everything exactly the same same. every time. Yeah. Right down to the water, tap water that you stir. And you don't have what these breweries have. Um, But if you're just looking for a good beer... Yeah. For instance, like this one you're drinking, I don't need. I couldn't. I can't tell you what hops is in it. I had okay. different hops and leftover from this, leftover from that in the freezer. It tastes delicious. <laughs> you know, but I, I'm not going to be able to make one that tastes exactly, exactly like it. I'll, I'll make something else that you'd taste and go, "Wow, that's really good." It's not going to be exactly the same. If you want your beer to taste exactly the same every time, you have to be really uptight about doing everything. Length, I mean, exactly when you add each hops. Yeah. The amount you add, when you add it in the boil, it, it all changes the flavors a little bit. Have you ever done anything like? Uh, have you ever done anything twice? Give you in this. Have you ever done like a certain beer you like it and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna make it exactly the same way. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Personally. I did it. Starting out more, there okay. Was, there was like the two-hearted clone that I, that I did. I, the first three, four times I brewed it, I was real specific about it. But yeah. then 
I had some hops uh, that I grew myself, Centennial hops. Oh, okay. That wasn't part of the the recipe. The recipe, and it's like, well, I'm going to use the different hops. Well, you know, it was. I think it was better. It was different. Yeah. Um, and everyone's palate is different, so you know. Right, and and I there's a hundred different IPAs that I think are are more that I think are just really good. Yeah. And they're all a little different, so. My brewing, because I'm doing it for myself, I don't worry too much about following a recipe exactly. It's kind of like a sketch. Okay. Whether it's a stout I'm making or an IPA or whatever, it's like, I sort of follow it. Yeah. You know. But you put in your own little this and that. Right. And the, the timing on when the hops is added and when this is done and when that's done, it's 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 only a it's only that important if you are trying to get an, an identical result every time. Gotcha. If you just want a good beer, you use ingredients, use good ingredients, you're going to end up with a good beer as long as you keep everything sanitary and yeah. stuff. Now, let me ask you this. You've got, like I said before, you've got a very advanced setup for your, your brewing process. Where did you start off? When you started the first beer that you've ever made yourself, was it a Mr. Beer product or uh, um, no. you know, Mr. Beer or whatever it is? Or what was it? What did well, you do? I, I kind of knew I wanted to get into it. Okay. And I knew what kind of what route I was going to follow. So I started accumulating the stuff. Okay. A little bit over time. A little bit over time, over about the period of a year until I felt like I was ready. And then I had a nephew that was into home brewing. Which is and Bart, which we'll be talking to a lot. No, now. Was, oh, not Bart. No, <laughs> Bart, not you. <laughs> so he had already done. Jump the gun. He'd been brewing since he's a teenager, you know. Okay. So he helped me go through a few batches. Yeah. The first three, four times I brewed, I brewed with him. Um, so my first batch, basically, I had a kegel. Did a ten-gallon batch on a turkey fryer. Mm, okay. You know, it's yeah, a, yeah. it's a, it's a real common way to go, cheap. Um, the only advantage, like, to the system you're talking about that I have now, which is all electronic, temperature controlled. I mean, the main thing is with a turkey fryer, you have to be on top of it all the time. You have yeah. to watch your temperatures, make sure it's you very don't hard. have boil overs. It's a lot easier with what I've got now. Yeah, I heard... It's not necessary. Uh, I heard a lot of home brewers use um, the hot plates because a lot of the hot plates now, <coughs> you the temperature is so spot on. Yeah. Rather than using doing it on a stove or maybe a turkey fryer, you right. know, you can control the temperature inside the house or even if you do it outside, whatever you do, but you can keep the temperature to a certain degree on a hot plate because they got the, the there's not even it's not a coil anymore you know it's an right. actual like the flat nice glass piece and it does very good uh, I remember I did a class on home brewing and that's what we used right. and they're like you know what if you want to do it inexpensively you know not spend too much money get a hot plate use that for for, for the temperature control on when you're cooking it but now the the system that you have you got a great system because a huge part of it as well is when to cool it. And cooling process is also very key, isn't it? Yeah, you basically, once you're done with your boil, you want to get it cool it as fast as possible. Yeah. 
the quicker without you, freezing it. <laughs> right. The quicker you can get it down to to your each yeast pitching temperature, which is varies from say seventy five to sixty five, maybe eighty degrees tops. Um, so the cool, the quicker you can get it from your two hundred and twelve degrees boiling down to your yeast pitching temperature, the the less chance there is of having problems with, um, now I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> That's there's, okay. There's oxidizing and oxygenation. I think oxidizing is the one that causes the problems. Okay. Um, That's why, like, big companies have uh, bright tanks, right? That's the bright tanks is the ones that cool it down? I may be getting that wrong. Yeah, I think a bright tank is just where they... Uh, Oh, that's let where it, it goes at the end. Let it that's it. Oh, okay. okay. Can't remember what it is called then. It might just be cold tank or something. I may have messed myself yeah. up. But anyways, go ahead. Continue. But that's the biggest issue is getting the temperature down as quick as you can. Yeah. It's been more of a problem here in Florida because the tap water is like 85 degrees. Yeah. In Michigan, the tap water was 50 degrees. You know? So, boom, you can get it down as fast as right. you would like to. I mean, to. you can knock the... the the higher the temperature, the bigger the problem is. So, still getting it down. Down here, the real problem is getting it from like 120, which you're already in not too dangerous an area. But from there down, it's it's difficult because yeah. the water's warm here. So yeah. now, how do you cool yours? What process do you use, or what do you what? Exactly I use an immersion. Um, an immersion chiller, which is just basically a 50-foot coil of, of 3 8 inch stainless steel tubing okay. um, that you put right into the pot of boiling wort, and that, and then you run cooler water through it, mm-hmm. and it sucks the heat out. Okay. And now, um, like home brewing, you what do you... There's different ways of doing home brewing. People uh, bottle, can, and keg their beers. Right. What do you do? <clears throat> I use kegs. I started out using kegs. Okay. And Have you ever bottled? No. Okay. And I knew, before I ever started, I knew I wasn't going to use bottles because uh, I, w- I knew, like, my nephew homebrewed. I watched a few people do it. And just the thought of keeping all those bottles washing them sanitizing them the whole process was just too capping much capping each bottle you know it's like when i'm done with the boil it goes in the fermenter mm-hmm. it's done with the ferment it goes in the keg and i force carbonate it with a with you know so under co2 okay i don't have to worry about washing bottles capping bottles putting you know whether yeah. it's going to carbonate right when it's in the bottle all that kind of stuff um, and for me, probably I probably saved you a ton of money too. I don't know if you save a ton of money. I, I think if you're going into home brewing with the idea of, well, it's going to be cheaper than buying it, you're probably going to break even. Yeah. When it comes, but right you down may to be it, able to find something that you like. But you're gonna what you're gonna end up being is like I was like, oh, if I can make something as good as this, I'm gonna save money. And it'll be great. Yeah. Well, what happened is I'm making something that I like a lot better than what my goal was. Gotcha. It probably cost me about the same. But if you like it that much better, and you're already going to spend it no matter what. Plus, it's kind of fun. Yeah. You get to do something. You have it at home. It's available to you. 
And when you run out, you know what, let's make another batch. Or when you know you're about to run out, let's start making the next batch. Right, right. Uh, okay, so I have a couple more questions for you. One is, obviously, we talked about temperature control. And you also have to let your beer sit at a certain temperature while it's fermenting. Yeah. Now, they sell all kinds of temperature gauges. Like, uh, I know you have a deep freezer here that you have your beer sitting in. Yeah, that's just for post-ferment. That's just... So that's for after. That's for serving. Okay, but I know a lot of people, they have the deep freezers, and that's their system to keep them cool. So, if they were doing that, they would need a system to, to keep it at a certain temperature because a lot of these deep freezers only get to a certain level. They're only right. between this and that. But you maybe need a little higher, a little lower, whatever. Well, maybe a little higher most of the time. So you have a unique system. Maybe not unique to everybody, but to, to unique to most people. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what you have for your system here, your electronic system, and what it does? So are you talking about the... I'm mainly talking about the talking big black box on the wall. Okay, the big black box on the and wall maybe. That's, totally wrong about what it does. That's purely on the brewing side. Oh, it's only on the brewing side. Okay. That's, so let's talk about that. Okay. Um, so we'll switch gears. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's totally different. I thought this was what it was for. It's not. So let's talk about that first, and then we'll move our way down. Okay. It's it's basically um, a PID. Um, don't ask me what, <laughs> not what that means. <laughs> I can't think of what the terms that are. That is right okay. Now, but... But basically, it's a, a real precise, and they're not very expensive, it's a real precise temperature controller. And it will, it's got an algorithm that, that you can fine tune in it, but basically, so it'll, you set it whatever temperature you want to hit, like if you're going to mash at, at 150 degrees, you can set it for 150 degrees, it'll run up to that. Stop. If you have it set right, it won't overshoot. Okay. And it'll keep it right there by kicking your, your heating coils on and off, on and off. Gotcha. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you want to go to, a, like, if, if, if you're in there for 60 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever, your mash time, you know, then you can, so, then you can just kick the temperature up. And I've got three of them on there, although I'm not, because I kind of build it for the future. Okay. So like right now I do partial grain or or just extract brews. Yeah. But if I want to go to full grain, one of those controls will... Flip the switch and you're ready to go. One of them will be for the mash ton. One of them will be for the boil kettle. I gotcha. And the other one is just a temperature monitor. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, now, okay, so that's the, fr- the that's the beginning part, right? That's like where you're mixing everything. Like that's the yeah. heating part of it. Yeah, that's your boil. So where do you go from there? What's your next step? Okay, then you go into the fermenters. Okay. And in, in Michigan, fermenting temperature control wasn't an issue. Because yeah. in Michigan, you have a basement that's like 65 degrees in the summer. And it, never gets, <laughs> yeah. it never gets warmer than that. Yeah. So you just set your fermenter down in the basement. You're good to go. And, and you're fine unless you're trying to do something real, some crazy, real picky. Um, I can't even think of what they're called now. Um, but I always did ale, so temperature wasn't really an issue. I've had more, more issues with since we've been here. So, 
if you see right there, I've got a water chiller. Basically, the blue one? No, the black thing right there. Oh, this right here? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And there's going to be pictures, just so everyone knows real quick. There's going to be pictures on social media of everything we're talking about. So when it comes out, you'll be able to see some of the things. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Just so nope, everyone no knows. problem. So that's that I haven't incorporated yet. Okay. But instead of relying on the air conditioning in the house to keep my my fermenting. Yeah, because it's hard. Or, I mean, that's it, difficult. Right. Um, basically... You can do it two ways. You can set up, like I've got this chest freezer here that's set up to keep my kegs in. You can set up something like that with a with a purchase temperature control on it um, and use that to control your ferment temperature. Yeah. Um, that's one way to go. I'm using that water chiller and basically I'm gonna, I'm doing like a jacketed fermenter where there's gonna be water at whatever Going temperature I want the ferment to be at, circulating around around the keg itself. Around the keg itself. Okay, and then afterwards, that's when you put it into the deep freezer here, right? The chest freezer. Technically, I guess people call them creasers. Creasers. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that before, but I like it. Okay, yeah, so if you do a search the for it on yeah, 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 that's probably what I have to do. So creaser, they, you put that in there, and then that's what you serve it out of. Like that's right. like all right now it's gonna stay in here. Right, that's so my can, fridge. You can do a. Yeah, so you can put a tower on it and a bunch of tap handles. Yeah. I know when I start my homebrew, I'm actually going to be pulling out of one of those, running it through a wall and doing a taps on the other side. Yeah. But yeah, to get what you're saying, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, so in that case, you need you really need to work out a way to chill your lines too. Yes, yeah, so to make sure that it always stays cold. Because like, I know they have coils that you can run and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's always going to be an issue. I know I'm going to have to like spend a little money. I'm doing a little more advanced, I know, than a lot of people will, but that's because it'll be somewhat of a tap room for right. something that's going to be coming on later on. So it's it's a little more, <laughs> a little right. more upscale than a regular uh, homebrew setup but would be. See, that's that's you can be as simple or as elaborate as you want. It's the same thing with the. That's the beauty of it. With the the temperature control, you see over there for my boiling. The beer that I'm making is no better with that than what I made with a with a turkey fryer. Okay. It's just. It's just easier for you. It's basically. easier for me. I don't have to be so careful. I don't have so many boil overs. You know, you're sitting there like, if you're brewing a batch by yourself, which is really monotonous. <laughs> yeah, you're just kind of sitting there like. You uh... don't have any problems because <laughs> you're watching. But if you have friends over and you're brewing and having a great time and talking. You, you You're lose, gonna lose track, track of it, and it boils over, and you got a sticky floor. And, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, I get you. So, yeah, so it, in the long run, that's going to be something that a lot of homebrewers are going to want to go to is something that is automated, something that's going to take a little bit of the work out of it because especially, you know, if you got a full-time job and you want to do this on the yeah. side, I mean, unless, you, unless you're retired and you've got nothing else to do, it's going to be hard to keep it that close of an eye on it all the time. Yeah. So this is something that you can at least walk away, go to the bathroom, right. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Not necessarily leave for the whole day, but it's going to help you do some of that work for you. Correct. Okay. So that's good. And like I said, uh, I've asked you before, what's your favorite? You said the uh, the IPAs and that kind of thing. Now you've done stouts. How many beers do you have right now? Right now I've like got... Ready to go. I've got a Scotch Ale in there, and well, it's an arrogant bastard clone. Okay. Um, 
fact you tried that last time you were here. Yes, it was black delicious. I, black IPA, or black rye IPA. I okay, I just had my first, maybe not my first, but the first one that I could really like explain and talk about that I could remember very well. Uh, black rye or black IPA in a very long time, not that long ago, and it was awesome. It was something that I'm not used to, so that's some. There was something that was totally different, in a way, than what I normally get, which was awesome. What was your inspiration for that one? I know I'm kind of stopping you in between what you're talking about, but just real quick. Well, <laughs> it was cheap. Oh, okay. There's a there's a there's a company up in Michigan that sells home brewing equipment uh-huh. and supplies and every Black Friday for 20 bucks you can buy this kit okay. online for a uh, Black Rye IPA for 5 gallons so you, you just had to get it and then once you knew about it now you had the paper the first time I did it I, yeah it was it was like good so the next time instead of ordering enough for 10 gallons, I ordered enough for 20 gallons. Yeah. And then you made it perfect. Yeah. Now, okay, sorry. So I know you st- I stopped you. My fault. No, that's okay. So you did the Imperial, or you said no, it wasn't Imperial Stout. It was a, uh, you did the Black Rye, and what else? What was the first one you said? Arrogant. Arrogant Bastard. Mm-hmm. And then what else do you have? The uh, one that we're trying I, right now? Yeah, the Session IPA. The Session that's IPA. The only three so the three that you have right now. How often do you start another batch? Like, you have three on right now. Is three the most that you usually have? I've had as many as five, but since we moved to Florida, I don't have so many beer-drinking friends. So, oh, okay. So. Yeah, it's, it's getting up there, but, you know, when you move, you got to, like, <laughs> rebuild your base. <laughs> right, so it's... Uh, so around here, because beer goes bad after a while. So, like... As everyone knows, you know. Most like not everything, yeah, it but depends. the maltier, yeah, they they're going to change. Yeah, but if you have an IPA, the more it sits, yeah, it's like just going to kind of go IPA bad. That I've got in there, yeah. honestly, it's getting to the point now where it ain't that great. Because you know, so there you go. That's one of those. I've been drinking be the other with. IPA because I like it better. Yeah. Nobody else here drinks. That that was the thing with uh, <laughs> when I was trying to convince my wife to let me get a kegerator. I wanted a three or two or three tap kegerator. And I talked to a lot of people, and they said, listen, if you're not having people over every night to drink beer, and if you're not at least drinking three or four glasses a night, don't go for a two or three keg kegerator. Yeah. Because you're not going to drink it, and it's going to go to waste, and you're going you're gonna to waste a lot of money. So they said, just go with a one, one tap kegerator for now. Once you figure out what you really want to do, what's going on, how much you're drinking... Uh, then move from there. So now, uh, with us, with me and my friend moving on to make actual beer, I'm gonna have a keg- I'm gonna have different kegerators at home, and I'm also gonna be making my own kegerator system myself. So it'll be a little bit different. But uh, people have to know if they're gonna homebrew, make what you can and what you can drink. It's not just like make, 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 make. Right. You gotta think about kind of the longevity of what you're doing. Yeah. So if you're, from my experience, if, if you're doing like a, a 10%, um, so a fairly high gravity stout, it's never going to go bad. Okay. I mean, the flavor's going to change, things change as it ages. Yeah. But it's always going to be a good beer. Okay. 
so even that's what when I would make I'd make 10 gallons of stout and it would last you know probably a year oh wow um, and it definitely tasted different at the yeah. end of the year but it was still a good beer so you're still getting a solid beer it's not going to hurt you it's not going to make you sick right whereas like I said this black IPA that I've got right now I'm thinking ah, I just need to it's dump it it's about time to dump it yeah 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 um, because I'm drinking this IPA and nobody else is drinking the other you know so. yeah but uh, for me personally like five gallons if you know at my house if I have a five gallon keg of whatever beer I like like this session IPA it's going to last me about a month okay so you have to think about that too when you're making you're like okay if I'm going to make something let me get some friends together to have a little get together we'll drink some beer make sure I at least get a little part way through and then I can have the rest for myself if you're thinking about right beers that are shorter term maybe yeah would I you mean, recommend that yeah so I, I make my IPAs in in uh, ten gallon batches. Okay. And I have no problems with it like, yeah. ever going bad. Or yeah. Whatever, because that's the beer that I drink. I think if you're making a higher gravity stout or something, you don't really have to worry about it. It's gonna age really well. Um, but if you're making like, if you don't not an IPA drinker, I wouldn't even make an IPA unless you bottle it. Maybe. Okay. But if you're not an IPA drinker, I don't think I would even make it because, well... It, Why, yeah, it, the, unless you're drinking it at home by yourself, too. Because it's the freshness of an IPA. That makes that difference. An IPA is a fresh beer. It's not an aged beer. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, you got to use your brain a little bit. about Figure out what you like and what you know you're going to drink around right. that time. It's not something you're just going to have there for a while, forget about it, come back. Right. keep drinking it it's like drink 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 give it away give it away give it away whatever you're gonna do yeah. make sure that you're getting rid I, of it you know like I say I think I think with, with if you if you're making IPAs and you're looking at two or three months time to use whatever you're gonna yeah. have a really good quality across the board you might you know you might be able to stretch it out longer than that I don't know and, and like say with the higher gravity scotch ales and stouts and stuff i think you can go a lot longer so let me ask you this uh say i'm a brand new home brewer what are what is your like you don't have to get into super detail but what are a couple things you want to make sure something that they don't tell you online or they don't tell you any like in normal places that you want to make sure you have before you start the process. Something that may be more like, maybe more a little expensive to buy at first, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. Can you think of anything like, you know what, I want to make sure you would have this because the first couple times I did it, it didn't come out perfect. Or it didn't come out to where I want. Or at least if they were thinking, you know what, this is what I want to do for a little bit, but I think I want I th to throw in just a little bit of money, not a whole lot, but just a little bit. I think your chiller okay. um, is, is pretty key. Yeah. And I wouldn't worry too much about... Like, I use an immersion chiller. I haven't had any problems 
there, there's some arguments against them. Um, possible some contamination. Gotcha. Bacterial because, but uh, I put the immersion chiller in while I'm still at a full boil, uh, so I don't have to worry about. Okay. Bacterial contamination. Well, I've had everything that you've had, and I've not gotten sick. <laughs> well, it's not. That's more of a flavor issue. Oh, okay. Well, if, it's if delicious. You get, if, you get, <laughs> if you get the wrong kind of, uh, like, if you get something other than the yeast you want growing in there, you might get some off flavors or I gotcha. or start okay. getting the vinegary flavor uh, to it or something okay. like that. You I understand know, that then. The vinegar is going to be bacteria, and you don't want that. You want yeast. Um, so basically, I, I think you want to be able to cool it fast. I like the immersion chiller because it. It doesn't just take down the temperature of, like, they have chillers that are in line, so as the, as the work flows out of whatever your boil kettle uh-huh. is, it goes through a chiller, usually a plate chiller, and that cools it, and then it goes on into whatever you're going to ferment it in, right? I got you. The thing is, is that the stuff that's set in the kettle while that's going through the chiller is all staying at the high temperature. Where the immersion chiller, which is basically a pipe coil that you set right inside the boil yeah. kettle, that takes the whole batch down immediately. Immediately, and, and you know, and shedding the first hundred degrees is the most critical. Yeah. Um, part of it. So that's what I go with. But I would say that's one of the best things if you don't have enough, a good enough, or a, a chiller that has enough volume to move the amount of BTUs that you need to move out of it fast, there's more more opportunity for problems up, up Gotcha. Front. Plus it just it's boring to sit there you're going <laughs> like, through the whole process, all yeah. the hop additions and this and that and now you're waiting for it to And grow. obviously if you continue homebrew, you're not gonna do the exact same process that you did the first time you homebrewed. You're gonna figure out different ways that are gonna make it faster make it more efficient than the first time you ever did it. You know, and some of it's, like I said earlier, it's with your goals. If you're, like, the kind of person who wants this to taste exactly like this, like you buy whatever beer you buy and it tastes the same every time, then you got to be really, really specific and take notes. Yeah. That's not me. No. It's like as long as the end product tastes good. And I feel that people who homebrew... They, uh, they're, they're a lot like you where they start off going saying, I want to make something that is like what I know. But then after a while, they're like, well, I can make something better. You know, it's the same style, but you know what? I have something that I want to infuse or something that I want to do, tweak it to make it more my style and make it more to my profile that I would like more. And then you end up buying what you liked earlier just to have it, but then you make whatever you want. Right. So I think it, I think I agree 100% with what you're saying, that homebrewing, no matter what you try, it's going to evolve in yeah. a way. You may start off one way, or your intentions may go one direction, but as you go, it's, just, it's naturally just going to change. Right. You're never going to start off wanting the beer and then end doing the same beer people who homebrewed and started their own breweries don't start off that way or don't continue on that way you know you don't think of founders you don't think of uh 
uh, even here in the area, Cigar City, Tomoka, places like that. Cigar City, uh, or I said Cigar City, um, like you think of Lagunitas, they didn't go, okay, I'm going to start homebrewing this way, and I'm always going to keep exactly the same. No, it's going to change, and you're going to go a different direction. Especially see that with Lagunitas, because they have their... They jump around. Well, yeah, and they'll, they'll like market their, what they call mistakes. Still a really good beer, Delicious. <laughs> yeah. But it's not... So they call it what? Lagunitas sucks, I think. Is yes, one they had. and that's delicious. And I love that one. Brown sugar substitute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ones that were like, yeah, not quite what we what were, they wanted. What we were shooting for. And then they still shot for what they wanted. They redid it, but they were like, you know what? It's still good enough to we put don't it have out to there. Dump it. No, why waste that beer? Yeah. And that's the same thing. You probably, I mean, unless it's terrible, you probably still drink it, even if it doesn't hit your mark for what maybe your intentions were oh, yeah. in home brewing, there's never a reason to dump out five, ten gallons of beer. Right. You know, if it's not going to make you sick, why not drink it and and finish it out? You know, well, unless it's if, terrible, but... Right. You know, as long but as if it's tastes, good... If it tastes good, fine. Throw it in there, name it something else. You know, it's, it's your own brew, so you can name it whatever you want and yeah. start off right down... Your, and how important is notes for you? Again, that boils down to whether you want repeatability. Okay. So for you, you're not about repeatability, per se. No. Use high-quality ingredients. If there's a sale on Simcoe hops or Citra hops, or well, there's never going to be a sale on Citra. <laughs> but but if, you, if you find a sale on something. Or, you know, I'll buy what's on sale. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you don't want to buy William at if that's what... Because that's like a, a stout hops, and if you're trying to make IPAs, you know. But there's other like Simcoe and, and Warrior and different ones that are used a lot in IPAs. Yeah. I buy what's on sale now. If you're like I say, if you're trying to make exactly the same thing every time, you're not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to buy exactly, and not only buy exactly, but like on the hops package, it'll tell the alpha acids. And, you have to pay attention to those numbers even because from year to year or even zone to zone uh, regionally those conditions are going to vary and so you can have the same hops grown in a different place or a different year and it'll have different characteristics gotcha okay so the more you want to like duplicate everything exactly the same the more exactly. complicated it gets so yeah if you want if you want to make the exact same take the notes if you're not I mean take some notes to make sure you do some process similar, but you're gonna have to put your own flavor on everything in a way, and if and you're really kind of following a recipe. At least in the beginning, probably when you first start off to understand the process, you may want to take notes the first couple times, maybe yeah. to get it going, get the process to understand what's going on, because repetition leads to understanding, and, and you remember it. I, I took notes a couple times, but the thing is, it ended up it's like okay, I'm following, I'm. For my timing and stuff, I'm kind of following this recipe, which I have on my phone. Yeah. Or on a piece of paper, so the kind of note. It's already there, basically. You don't yeah. have to take any notes for it. It's like that's. So really, you take notes on your own things, like maybe like, oh, I like this a little more, or that a little more. Next time I make an IPA, maybe throw this in or do that. So yeah, so I'd keep. A few notes on what hops I used on 
because if it came out really stellar, I might want to gotcha. Use same focus same on those 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 you know those hops or whatever. But um, I've kind of gotten more and more away from it. Okay. Because it's like it always ends up being something I like, but it's different. That's good. That's good. So, but home brewery is definitely something that you advocate for. Like you say, you know what? Try home brewing. Test your hand to it, you know, and get into it. Would you recommend it? <laughs> it might be if, difficult, right? If you drink beer fairly regularly, you know what I mean? If, yeah. If you're a person that has one or two beers on the weekend. It's not for you. I would say just. Buy your beer. Go buy your beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. But if that's what you drink instead of wine, liquor, that kind of stuff. If, like, if you're a person that finds yourself having one or two beers a day, why you not? Know, then, it, and you want to have a hobby. Yeah. I mean, if you're like already cramped for time and you got no room for anything, don't put your time into it because you're not gonna have time for it. Anyways. Then it, you're not. It's not like you're gonna have a big cost savings. Exactly. Uh, but I think I do. Me personally. At least I recommend people to, if they do have time, to put their hand in it because craft brewery is what leads to great beer when it comes to all these different breweries that come about. Oh, yeah. Because that is what craft is. It is home brewing. I mean, I'll probably never do it, but that would be like the ultimate thing for me would be to Run have your, a brewery. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't even have to have a brewery. Just, you know. Yeah, bring stuff into it. Would you want a home brew, or you want a brewery that is just yours? Have your name on. <laughs> you just go over there and try I, I, it out. I'm not for the glory, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind working at a brewery if it paid enough for me to get by. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's fun, um, interesting, and I like the results. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, thank you so much for being on our podcast talking about home brewing because I know a lot of people that listen uh, and it's a big it's a big topic right now you know craft is getting bigger craft beer is just it's, it's blowing up everywhere a lot of people are thinking about craft or making their own beer home brewing but a lot of them don't know where to start so it's awesome that you're here to tell us at least what you do you know what your process is uh, to help out a lot of people I know a lot of people are going to appreciate this I myself appreciate it because I know that I'm getting into homebrewing myself and uh, I'm definitely going to have you over my area to help me out because I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun uh, with trial and error on my end but no would, seriously thank you so much. One one thing I want to add because I kind of you said yeah. you asked the question earlier and I, and I thought it but I never really got it out is that you had mentioned like buying brew kits and stuff. Yeah. I've had some of the some of the worst homebrews I've had were like prepackaged kits. Really? So I'm not going to say like all prepackaged kits are evil, but if you're going to buy a prepackaged kit, I would go to a place that sells all the stuff individually. Okay. And they'll sell you a recipe kit. I gotcha. So that way it's like better. Ho- it's not just like one box of everything it's, it's, you can pick like, out. Yeah, it's not like Mr. Brewery or what. Exactly, Mr. Beer, yeah. Whatever, you know what I mean? Yep, if, yep. If, you, if, there's, if there's a brewing supply store around that you can go to, 
say, I really want to make an IPA or I really want to make a stout, they'll have recipes and they'll sell you the ingredients. And from my experience, you can end up with a good beer. But I've had several home brews that people were like, you know, <laughs> we bottle our own and you take a drink of it. Like, Ooh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all the result. Delicious. Yeah, and they were all the result of those kind of, I'll call them Walmart kits, because yes. I don't think Walmart really sells them. But no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get I the, understand what you mean. You get the spirit of it. Yeah, definitely. So definitely try going to a home brew store where they're going to be able to tell you a little bit more about what's going on. Uh, you're going to get a little more information than, say, just going to Target or Walmart, or, like you or, said. Or Amazon. Amazon. Amazon's, oh. Amazon's deadly if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Wait for that when later on you know, like, oh, I want this out of this or this out of that. Right. But, uh, again, seriously, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast with us. Uh, real quick, just do our plugs. You can follow us, again, on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. You can send us an email to justasipcast at gmail.com. Uh, write us a review on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Google Play, Lipson, everything. So tell your friends. Uh, but for everything else, just continue listening to the episode. Thank you so much. See you guys later. Bye.